0: Well, welcome, everybody, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I especially want to say happy Father's Day to my dad. I'm not able to celebrate with him today, but I know that he's watching. And, Dad, I just want to say thank you so much for being my dad, for being a model of integrity, for modeling what it means to be a person of prayer, for your impeccable sense of fashion, I just, I just hope that I inherited at least one of those qualities and uh, so thankful for you. We wanna celebrate all the dads. In fact, if you're watching this right now and you are not with your dad, I wanna encourage you to text him and invite him to watch this message with you. Now, you gotta be a little careful when you do it because if you just send him a text message right now and you say, hey, I want you to watch this with me and you send a link and it says naked and unafraid and has my picture, He is going to begin to question where you're going to church. So I'm just saying um, use some judgment in that. But if you're new to Velocity, we want to say welcome. And we are beginning a brand new series of messages called Naked and Unafraid. And it's a very good chance you're wondering what this series is about. Well, I want to set it up for you. But to do that, I want to go straight to God's word. So if you have your Bible with you or you're watching, you can turn to 2nd. Samuel chapter 6 is where we're going to begin and what you're going to see is a story of two people. You're going to see one of these people living out in the open and you're going to see another person who is shut in. One of these people is King David. King David of course is very well known as the king of Israel and King David, as a man after God's own heart, in this passage, he has been longing to see the Ark of the Covenant returned to Jerusalem. It had been stolen. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. And it doesn't just represent the presence of God. It also represents the blessing of God because God's presence doesn't show up in your life empty handed. When God's presence comes in, he comes with blessing. His intentions for you are good. And the ark had been stolen, but they had got it back. And this is the second time now that they've tried to bring the ark back. They had had some struggles the very first time. And now they're bringing it back. And in order to put yourself in this scenario, I want to set up the occasion for you. You see, this was a celebration, that this was a, a, a crazy festival going on, like this was a national holiday, not like Father's Day national holiday, I mean like a real holiday, like people were celebrating, That they, they, they were going crazy, they were in the streets, there were parades, they, they had the Macy's Day parade, all, all the, the floats, all that stuff was happening and David is right there in the middle of it. He is right in the middle where they are bringing The Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant through the streets, and he's dancing. He's dancing because he's excited. He's dancing because he knows what it represents. He's dancing because he's been looking forward to this moment. He's celebrating. He's honoring God. He's worshiping God. Meanwhile, there's another person. This other person is Michael. It's David's wife. I know it's a weird name, but just go with it. Saul's daughter. Michael was watching from the palace window. And so David, he's sacrificing to the Lord. He's praying over the people. He's blessing the people. And after he's all done with that, when he gets home, he walks in to an upset wife waiting for him at home. How many of you have ever done that? Don't raise your hand, all right. 2 Samuel 6, verse 20 is where I want to begin. It says, When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said and discussed how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. In other words, it's saying, look, I was doing this to God. I was worshiping God. I am serving God, who, by the way, chose me above your father and his family. So we are walking right into the middle of a marital spat. He brings her father into the mix. And then he goes on to say, He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrated before the Lord. What we're looking at here is a guy who knew who he was. He knew the anointing that was on his life. He knew what he was called to do. He said, look, this isn't about me. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm operating in my calling. But in her mind, in Michael's mind, David was not where he belonged. He shouldn't have been caught up in this. He shouldn't have been engaged with this. She obviously preferred the window, thought it was foolish for him to be out there acting, in her mind, acting a fool. Now, I want you to notice the contrast here. She's in the window, he's in the streets. She's at a distance, he's in the center of it. He's dancing, she's watching. She's looking at what he's doing as risky. He views as what he's doing as rewarding. There's a contrast. And what we understand from this text is that we can live from one of these two places. This is really what this series is about, that we can live a life watching from the window or standing in the street. What I'm trying to say to you today is that we can live from a place of observation or participation. Now, observation in and of itself, it doesn't sound like a bad thing. Not necessarily anti-observation. I mean, it sounds measured. It sounds wise. It sounds cautious. But I want you to understand what I'm talking about today, I'm not talking about living a life of wisdom. Wisdom is a God thing, wisdom is a good thing. No, what we're seeing here isn't wisdom. What we're seeing here is a life that is shut in and shut up and shut out from God's promise and his presence and his blessing. It's a life that stays on the sidelines instead of being right in the middle of what God is doing. In essence, what we see here is a choice that we can either be a window watcher or a street dancer. And what I want to encourage you with today is to shift your mindset. Because I believe that God is going to do something over the course of the next few weeks while we're in this series, while we can't participate, to prepare us for the time when we can participate. And what this series is about, is to help us be the kind of church and to help you be the kind of person that doesn't just live a life of observation. Because I don't want you to fall in the trap that so many people fall into. Because living a life of observation, it sounds good. But what I've noticed is that when you don't participate, you criticize the people that do. That's what happens in this story participation brings criticism. Now you got to understand, the presence of God was on the streets in the city of Jerusalem. And when David chose to participate, what what he was doing was he's drawing closer to God's presence. He's drawing closer to the blessing of God. He's drawing closer to what God was doing in that moment. But when Michael chose to be a window watcher, it was actually a decision to stay separated from the presence of God, to stay out of God's blessing, to stay out of what God was doing. And what I wanna help you see is is that participation is partnership with what God wants to do in our lives. I mean, so many times we wonder in life, how is it that I move forward? You know, how do I get to the place that I wanna be? How do I get to this place that I know God is calling me to? How do I get to this place that I know I'm supposed to be? And I wanna tell you, it's by moving from the window to the street. When you're no longer taking a look, but you are taking the lead. You're not just satisfied to survey your surroundings through the screen, but you're willing to get out in the open and experience what God has for you. Participation is partnership with God. Have you ever noticed, I mean, just look at the life of Jesus, how many times he asked people to participate in their miracle. I mean, the one that I always think about is the disciples come to him and they're like, Lord, we've got a problem. Like, there are a lot of people here. You've been preaching for a long time. They're hungry. We need to send them home so they can eat. And hear what Jesus says? You give them something to eat. Like, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you do something about it. There was a time where Jesus, he's, there was a man who had a withered hand, wanted to be healed. He said, stretch forth your hand. He said to the lame man who couldn't walk, pick up your mat and walk. Really? Well, it'd be nice if I could. I would have done that by now. But no, he said, do this. He, he said to the man, go wash in the pool. Listen, the man who was blind, you know what he did first? He spat in the ground, made mud, put it in his eyes. Now that just sounds mean, Jesus. But what he, he wanted him to participate in the miracle. God always wants you to participate in what he's doing. Participation is partnership. Now, he doesn't need your help. He just wants you to be involved. But I've noticed that he's not going to work if you're just going (laughs) to watch. And when I tell you to move from observation to participation, it's because God has joy for you. He has hope for you. He has peace for you. He has a new life for you. He has faith for you. He has something that he wants to bless you with, to give you. But you have to move from observation to participation. So what's that mean? That when worship sounds, I'm going to respond. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to pray because I want to partner with the will of God. I'm going to serve because I want to be a part of reaching people. That's what God is doing. I'm going to give because I want to be a part of building his kingdom on the earth. I'm going to read because I want to partner with the promises that he's already given me. Now, if you go back to the text, I know there's some of you it's like, well, well, hold up. Hold up a minute. I mean, like, I'm reading this, and it doesn't sound so crazy to me. I mean, David was dancing naked in the streets. I got a problem with that. And I'm just thinking, like, my wife would have a problem with that <laughs> if I started doing that. Sounds reasonable. <laughs> but I want to let you know, he wasn't actually naked, okay? He he. He was actually clothed. If you look back in verse 14, this is what it says. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. You might think, what's an ephod? An ephod is a priestly garment. It's what the priests would wear when they would do their priestly duties. Now this was a linen ephod, so what does that mean? It means that It wasn't what the high priest would wear. The high priest would wear a gold ephod with all of these jewels stuck in it. This was a linen ephod. It was the garment of a servant. So what David is doing here is he's saying, I'm here to serve God. I'm here to worship God. I recognize my role as a priest and I'm gonna serve the Lord. And by the way, that's God's plan and purpose for all of our lives, is that we would serve God and serve others. So he wasn't inappropriate. You got to understand that. All he did was remove his royal robes. And that's what Michael couldn't get over. She couldn't believe that he would lower himself to the status of a servant. But can I tell you, to be a part of what God wants to do in your life, you are going to have to check your ego at the door because you can't step into a new place with an old identity. You can't step into the new thing that God has for you with an old mindset. You you can't step into the new territory that God wants you to take if you're living with an old pattern of life. You see, it might be helpful for you to understand that Michael was David's wife, but she was also Saul's daughter. Saul, if you don't know, he was the king before David. This means that she grew up in the palace. Michael had only known life as a royal. She she had only known what it was like to live as the daughter of a king, to live as a princess, to live as now the queen. And if you know anything about Saul, then you know that Saul was a guy who lost his position. He lost his anointing. He lost the calling that was on his life. So Michael was raised by somebody who went from being a king to being suspicious, to being insecure, to, being, to, to losing his confidence in God, to somebody who's now controlled by fear and paranoia And his life became defined, Saul now, by insecurities and fears. So Michael, she's struggling stepping into the new because she's still carrying the old. She's struggling being David's wife because she still sees herself as Saul's daughter. She she begins to take out her insecurity on David because And when he took off his kingly garments, she perceived that as an attack on her, which is what insecurity always does. I mean, insecurity will cause you to interpret somebody else's confidence as an assault on your character. And if you're not careful, you can let somebody else's dysfunction define your destiny. Somebody else's hurt holds you back. And all you have to do is be close enough to the person who was hurt to let their life limit the way you live. So when David took off his robes, in essence, what he was saying is, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to let your dysfunction define me. I'm not going to let your paranoia and your pressure and your pain be the guide of my life. I'm I'm not going to let it sidetrack me to God's service. I'm not going to be defined and confined by this. I'm not going to be held back by this. I'm not going to be influenced by this. And sometimes you just have to make up your mind that you are going to worship while other people watch. So sometimes you just got to make up your mind that you are going to live by faith regardless of what everybody else is doing, that you are going to believe the best, that you are going to stand in the street, that you are going to dance, that you're going to let go of the old so that you can step into the new. And, and when you reach that moment of stepping out, there's always going to be people who try to limit you because of their personal pain. See, what you're seeing when Michael criticizes David is actually the voice of Saul coming through his daughter. I know you didn't think this was a a Father's Day message, but I, I gotta talk to the dads for a moment. Because on this Father's Day, we need to be careful about what we're passing on to our children. So some of us are passing on our patterns and we don't even know it. What we're passing on our tempers, passing on our insecurities, passing on our fears, passing on our apathy. Not evil, just indifferent, just not going to care about it. Not a priority to me. Passing on our hurts. And I just want to encourage the fathers out there today, I want to encourage the dads that your kids need to see you be generous. Your kids need to see you worship. Your kids need to see you prioritize church. Your kids need to see you pray. Your kids need to see you model this. Because the reason is we cultivate what we demonstrate. What, whatever we live, whatever we're modeling, that is what we're cultivating in our kids' lives. And some of us, we just need to know that we might not be the ones who've experienced the hurt. We might not be the ones who've experienced the pain, but because we were so close to the ones that have, we've allowed their hurt to define us and confine us And keep us up at the window when we were always meant to be in the street. And what we need to choose today is that we're not going to let our lives be limited by somebody else's hurt. We got to decide I am stepping into participation. I am stepping into what God has for me. I am stepping into God's best. I am stepping into faith. I am stepping into my calling. I am stepping into purpose. I'm leaning in. I'm leaving behind these robes that had me confined. And when you do that, what you're going to discover is that the price of participation is vulnerability. The, the, the price of participation is to live out in the open. At some point in your life, you just have to open up yourself to criticism. You have to open up yourself to the fact that there are gonna be people that talk about you. There are gonna be negative comments. There's gonna be pain from other people. You have to simply embrace it. A lot of people don't like that word vulnerability. And if I'm honest, I'd be one of those people. Because to me, vulnerability always sounds like weakness. But you can be vulnerable and you can be strong. Vulnerability is not weakness. In fact, I want to help define it for you. And First, I just wanna tell you what vulnerability isn't. Vulnerability is not setting aside common sense. Vulnerability is not throwing wisdom out the door. Vulnerability is not getting naked with everyone. It's not just opening up all the parts of your life to everybody and anybody who will hear and put in a post on social media so everybody can tell you how sorry they are for you. That's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is not committing yourself to everyone. You don't have to commit to everything that comes your way. Vulnerability is not trusting everyone. There are some people that you shouldn't trust. Vulnerability is not listening to everyone. There are some voices that we shouldn't listen to. Vulnerability is not giving everyone the keys to your house. Not everybody needs access to your life. So... We need to be vulnerable, but not at the expense of discretion and wisdom. But it doesn't mean that it supports the look out for yourself approach. Can I be real clear? Vulnerability is not playing it safe. I like what Pastor Kevin Gerald says. He says that vulnerability is making a move with no guarantee of the outcome. That doesn't mean it's easy. It's not easy. It's scary. Putting yourself out there is scary. Exposure is scary. But can I tell you, staying in the window is also scary. Staying in the window is also dangerous. Staying in the window isn't all about benefits. There's some problems if you just stay in the window. You know, one of the reasons many people live miserable lives is because they never open themselves up to anyone because they don't want to show their weakness. That They're miserable in their marriage because they never want to tell anybody that I've got a problem and get some help and find somebody who can... Coach them through it and help them through it. So instead, they let it eat at them from the inside and they struggle with it more. They think it's safer to keep their struggles private than to open up to somebody who could help them. And because they never open up, they don't get the help that they need. Helen Keller said this She said, Avoiding danger in the long run is no safer than outright exposure. Now understand, I'm not talking physically, I'm talking about a mindset. I'm talking about every area of your life. I'm talking about relationally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I'm talking about every area and This is counterintuitive to most people. I mean, I I promise you, when Marissa and I first moved here with our son, Reese, to start this church, it was scary. We didn't know anybody. Well, we didn't have any network here. We didn't have an organization supporting us. It was scary. It's not easy. I know the challenge of fighting fear. Can I tell you something else? (laughs) Even though the church has already started, that doesn't mean I'm done having to put myself out there. Like every Sunday, I'm having to put myself out there and and risk exposure, but there's other moments and there's other times. Things that I feel God is calling me to do. I'm like, God, are you crazy? I'm gonna look like a fool if I do this. Are you kidding me? And in that moment, maybe it's from a painful experience or or maybe it's just because I'm intimidated. In that moment, I have to make a decision. And am I going to stay in the window or am I going to get out in the street? Am I going to just watch or am I going to trust God to give me the strength I need, the help I need to heal me when I've been hurt? Look, I understand it's really comfortable to stay out by the window. Windows provide a sense of comfort, a sense of security, because they allow you to see everything that's out there while you get to stay behind the screen. And I'm concerned that there's too many of us that have been living behind the screen. We've been living behind the screen, we, we've been living behind the screen. And look, I love Church Online, I am all for Church Online, I, I love what God has, God has done through the season of Church Online, but can I tell you, in, in a day and age where technology has us more connected than ever, last time I checked, intimacy still requires proximity When you choose to live your life behind the screen, you can't be seen behind the screen. We create personas about how we want people to see us and curate our picture that we wanna project. And I'm not talking about Instagram now, I'm talking about even in an environment just like this, the way we live our life, come to a place like this, but put up a screen, get in a group, but put up a screen because we won't be honest with ourselves or with God. Because behind the screen is where it's comfortable. Behind the screen, behind the window, it's comfortable. It's difficult to get out in the street. Can I tell you, comfort is way overrated. We weren't designed to build a life around comfort. And really what I want to tell you is, God hasn't called us into a comfortable life. He's called us out to a courageous life. Some of the greatest moments in my life have been outside of my comfort zone. In fact, I was just thinking about it in preparation for this message. Every significant moment in my life was initially outside of my comfort zone. It required the courage to step out. Whether it was a financial decision, a business decision, a relational decision, a faith decision, it required courage to step out. Every time there was that moment where you want to hang back and just observe. But can I tell you, if you will step out in faith, all of a sudden there's a moment where courage comes in. All of a sudden, there's a moment where you move past that place of comfort and, and, and you feel faith rise up. I think there's some of you who have been sitting on the sidelines for far too long, watching from the window. And this is God's message to you, to get into community. You need to get into the presence of God. You you, you know you need to take a step of faith. You, You know that you need to participate. You know that you need to give in this season. You know that God is calling you out of your comfort zone and into a new season, into a new season of peace, a new season of hope, a new season of faith, a new season that he wants to bless you in your life. And to do it, it might not be the most comfortable place, but it's exactly the place that God has called you to be. If you will leave the window and get out in the street, God will do something incredible in your life. You know, as Christians, we look to Jesus. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus modeled this for us. He says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. Wasn't comfortable. There he was beaten, openly criticized, spat on, stripped naked for everybody to see. Took upon him our sin, yours and mine. Our shame, yours and mine, so that we could come into union with him. And maybe the place that God is calling you to step into today is to step out of your comfort and into a life with him. That's the place he wants you to live. That's the street that he's calling you to step into. If he is, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. At our church, this is how we pray. Nobody prays alone. We all pray this together. If that's you, you know God is speaking to you. You can indicate that right now, if you're watching on your screen. You can click on the button or the banner. You can type Jesus in the chat. You can text our prayer team. But most of all, I'd love to invite you to pray this with me. Scripture says that if you believe in what Jesus did for you, how he died on the cross and got up from the grave, You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. So that's what we're going to do. If you want to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life today, would you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in what you did for me. How you died on the cross for my sin. And you got up from the grave. Come live in me so that I can live in you. I receive your free gift right now. Amen.